Hi, I'm Adam Robert Lewis, and you're listening to Brewing Actors Podcast. My chance to talk to actors, to hear their stories, what inspired their performances, and what decisions or relationships influence their work. On today's episode. He actually mentioned at the time that he thought my ankles were fat. Uh, and it was at that point, it was almost like a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, hmm, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be part of this anymore. And if this is what is now going to be required of me, it's not how I dance a role, how I perform. It's about what my ankles are looking like. And that's what they're looking at. Then I don't want to be part of that. And I, so I made the decision early in my last, my seventh year that I was going to leave. In today's episode, I talked to Lynn Jezard a former ballet dancer who rose through the ranks of Northern Ballet, becoming a principal in many of their classic productions. Lynn discusses her humble beginnings in Kent and the pressures dancers can face with creating the perfect physical shape for ballet. Lynn speaks frankly and honestly about her experiences and her wealth of knowledge is invaluable to those looking to follow her career path. So, like any story, we have to start at the very beginning. This is episode two of Brewing Actors Podcast. Well, I was born in Ramsgate. Um, it's a small, Ramsgate is a small coastal town, um, which when I was born, late 50s, early 60s, um, it was thrive, it was a thriving, thriving town. And uh, my parents were both local. My dad was born in Margate, my, and my mum was born in, in Margate too. Um, so they were sort of local, local people. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad was initially, he was in the Navy when he right. left school. He left school very early. Um, and he w- went into the Navy and my mum and him married, met when they were 18 at a roller skating rink. Really? Yes. Um, apparently dad was the sort of like the superstar of the, right. of the roller skating. Were they dancers? Did they no, dance? No, not at all. My mum used to do ballroom and I think my dad attempted to do some ballroom dancing but he was just... He was a little bit clumsy, right. whereas my mum was probably a little bit was more graceful. But it was my grandmother who uh, used to play the piano, right? Um, which is where sort of the music and dancing and what have you came into my life. And then when I was very young, I was a, a little bit clumsy, apparently, and um, I used to fall around a lot, um, bump into things. And so right. my and I had a lot of energy. And my mum used to constantly say to me, "Stop showing off! Stop showing off!" which I used to think possibly was my early performing. I right. don't know. But anyway, so she uh, arranged for me to go and have some dancing lessons with... So your mother encouraged you, really, she from did, a young age? I think so. Um, an aunt of mine uh, was working with a lady that taught taught dancing. Right. Uh, like, like local, just a local dancing school. And um, they had this little church hall, which at the time I thought was massive, but I've been back since and it's tiny. Right. Um, and I initially was taken along on a Saturday morning to do tap. Right. And uh, which I absolutely loved because it was noisy and you had these things on the end of your feet that made sounds every time you walked. So it. it so what age were you then? I was four. Four. Four when I went to my first. Right. And I did that for about a year, 
Um, and just then, tap. Just tap. And then the teacher said to my mum, would she like to come and do anything more? Um, and as a local dancing school, they were really they were very good in the performance aspects of things. We used to they used to cart us off just to competitions, and we used to go once a month to a hospital, um, which was a sea bathing hospital in Margate, which is no longer there, and perform for the for the patients. So from like an early age, I'd learnt to perform. I think the very first time I went onto the stage, and this is just urban myth because this is something my mother tells me, but I I can't really remember that the first time I walked onto the stage, I sort of stood there apparently, burst into tears, and then walked straight off again. Oh so, no! So that could have been the beginning of the end. Right. Um, the, the the school was nothing to do with primary school. It was no, it totally, was, a, it was, it was like totally a out separate. of school yeah, class. Yeah, as I say, it was through an aunt of mine who worked with this lady, right. and my mum just took me along because she thought I'd, it would be something to do. Um, so you hadn't started school at that point, um, or had you? I I started at four. I right. went. I was I was at primary school right. at, that, at that point, and I was at, It was actually a convent school, which was um, a small school. And we didn't do any dancing in that school. I actually really liked sport. I loved running. I think if I hadn't have been a dancer, I think sport might have been something I would have gone into because I loved running. Um, I had, I, I always seemed to have a lot of energy. I think that was the the crux right. of the matter for my parents, as they needed for me to get an outlet. Out, yes, yeah. get rid of the energy, excess energy that I had. So dancing fulfilled that. So you started primary school, mm-hmm. started the out of school activities, doing the tap, yeah. and then. When did sort of ballet hit the scene? Well, probably when I was about five, six. We used to do what they used to call Greek dancing, which was right. basically like a lyrical contemporary thing. And of course, we didn't have the, the dancing school, we didn't have bars or anything like that. Right. We used to just hang on to the back of chairs and, you know, do our, our bar work. So when I went for my audition for arts, um, I, was, I didn't really quite understand why everybody was walking over to this bar. I was like, what's that for? Where's my chair? All right. You'd, all right. I'd never actually used a bar. But, um, so I'd, what was, just to go scoot back a little, mm. so you, you started ballet in, yeah. in the same type of after-school yeah. class. Yeah. When was the realisation for you that maybe I'd like to train in this? Well, you must have done ballet for a while, right? So yeah, I I did, but I don't think at, at that age I was I was thinking, oh, I desperately this is what I want right. to do. I just enjoyed it. Right. I like performing. I like that aspect of it. I like the the uh, the community. All my friends were were at dance school with me, so it was really something to do. I think at that stage, but as we used to, the, the dancing school used to do uh, competitions, and one of the competitions was an all England dancing competition, right. which is a, a countrywide competition you do you you all perform locally um then the sort of top three um like first second and third get they go into what they call like a semi-final then you get the final and my friend and i we got through to the final of the uh, classical duet so we performed in this final which is held in london and i would have been about 10 at the time i think that's really young though yeah because when you say that i was thinking yeah. you must have been more 18 no but 10 that's 10, really young. yeah 10 and i we we won it, and I think there was no one more surprised than than my you know anybody in my dancing school. Anyway, at that point we were put into it. We were had our photograph taken for the uh, what was then the Dancing Times, which I think right. is still still available. Um, and my dancing teacher said to me, or said to my parents at that point, and I was just about to change schools because we still in Kent they have a they have the grammar school system, so right. you have to take an eleven plus. Okay. So I was just about to do that and just about to change school. And she said to my mother, "Have you has, has Lynn thought about you know, dancing as a 
career. as a living, as a career, um, to which my mother didn't know anything about it. So they looked at schools, and uh, and I, I, I obviously every every dancer thinks, oh, I want to go to the Royal Ballet because that's where you think that's you know. But yeah. my my mother was fairly sensible and she was looking at it from an educational point of view as well. She didn't want me to go to dance school, come out at 16 and not have an education. with no GCSEs. Right. So she wanted to make sure, and at that time, um, ArtsEd was the only school that was accredited uh, with Kent County Council. Right. So I was able to go and get a grant because they... they which you wouldn't have been able to have, have if you went to... to if I'd gone to the Royal. Right. So I, I auditioned for ArtsEd, um, which was hugely out of my comfort zone as a child we traveled very little uh, when I was younger right um, and because my dad uh, once he came out of the Navy he decided to set up his own business um, and he used to make coin uh, slot machines all right um, and you know the, the the there's a television program now you know the one where they have they put the pe the money in and then it slides the the money onto the to the belts so oh yeah yeah because, well my dad actually invented that right um, and he Does the, the company isn't still going today no it's not no. going but he made that or he made machines he used to work for a company and then he that made slot machines and he taught himself how to make things right. how to take them apart put them together again which is something he'd learned when he was in the navy and then he decided to make and design his own machines which he did in our back garden shed to start off with then he got sort of more and more orders and in the end he had a business which lasted 30 odd years oh 30, 40 years but um his business stopped, of course, when you got um, all the, the, you know, the microchip and right. things like that. You know, yeah. from the, now coin slot Automation, machines again are back yeah, in, yeah. in fashion yeah. as a sort of a, a you vintage, know, vintage yeah. thing. Whereas, it, you know, for a while they went completely out of fashion right. and everything. To, and of course, for him, that virtually overnight closed closed his business. But um, so, do you think you would have been able to go to arts had you not had the grant? Um, I think my parents, once I got in, we. <laughs> I don't think they expected me to get in because right. you go for an audition and you arrive and there's hundreds and hundreds of girls going for it and I don't really think they expected me to get in and the fact that I did, I think my mother would have moved heaven and earth to, to have made to sure that I would have got right. been able to go. But fortunately, the school said, you know, they gave you forms and things if there's anybody that needs a grant, etc. So I went along for the audition and managed to get a grant to go to the school. So they paid for all of my education. The only thing my parents had to pay for was my clothes. Right. So everything else was 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 paid for. And how far was Arts from where you were living? Uh, well, it was at the time it was in Hertfordshire, so it was a good three and a half hours, right. um, which my parents used to do, you know, six times a year. And um, but you got, stayed. You stayed in I Hertfordshire. Stayed, yeah, we. It was boarding. It was a boarding school, right. which again was a Tough. huge. Yeah, and actually. I, I have to say, I, I missed home, very much I missed home, but I loved I loved the being in the boarding school. I loved the aspect of the fact that we were dancing for half a day and only did education for half a day. For me, that was heaven. Right. Um, did you struggle with that sort of balance? Because um, I think you've got one aspect of it, which is what you love. Yeah. And maybe the other aspect, which is the which was education you have to, to do. Yeah. yeah. So did I, you struggle with that or yeah, was it just something I, I that came natural? Have, um I would never have put myself, I would never have said I'm a clever person. I right. Anything to do with, um, I don't think I'm dyslexic, but I, I don't have, um, I find spelling, English, anything like that. I've always found it difficult. Um, yeah, I have too. Yeah, so I, th I think that 
in some respects and also because I was uh, in, 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 in those days and which is something I didn't realise at the time I was actually the youngest in my year by at least two years there were some girls right. in my year who were two years older than me which when you're like 14, 15 it's a huge mm. gap yeah. um, and of course I then always just thought oh it's because I'm stupid, I'm thick but actually it wasn't it was just that some of them my peers were two years older than me and so therefore two two years more developed yeah um but i mean it was fine and you have and, and the, of course like with everything in that type of school you're pushed there's no chance of you not reaching and not getting your exams because if you if you weren't good enough at something they coached you we had extra coaching for everything so it, you you in some respects i probably did better educationally than I would have done Maybe had a, I gone a normal to a normal school, school where yeah. I was one of, you know, hundreds. But because I was there, there was 30 odd kids in our year and we were pushed to achieve, um, you know, and I came out with seven GCSEs, which doesn't sound a lot these days when you've got people coming out with 13 mm. A's and A stars. But at that time, for me, that was actually quite an achievement. Um, so what was it like? And arts training to be, I'm guessing it was just ballet, right? Uh, no, we did everything. 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 Acting? Drama. Um, singing? Singing only if you took that as a, as a, right, as as a, a specialist subject. Right. But it wasn't something that I, I... I'd started off singing and I started off playing the piano because obviously my grandmother desperately wanted me to play the piano. But she was just so lucky. She could hear a tune and sit at the piano and play it. Whereas I spent three years going mm, with right. my struggling I couldn't I just couldn't it wasn't something so that, that wasn't for it you didn't, no it didn't no. make uh, didn't make any sense to me and I felt that my parents were paying for this extra lessons for me to have to have piano lessons because she wanted me to do it and I was I said you're wasting your money mm. I'd rather you save that money and did something else right. so yeah but you could do everything they even had tennis lessons um, and I, I mean now Art said has a swimming pool which we we didn't have at the time, but right. it, it's um, you get a very broad um, yeah. education. It's not what drama school is no, like now. Absolutely, and I th I think it prepared. I mean, obviously, I was very lucky because when I came out of school after I after I eventually graduated, I managed to get into a ballet company, um, and therefore that was exactly what I wanted to do. Did um, you think that you would have? I, I find drama school really difficult because there's. There's maybe 30 in a year, just going back to when I was at drama mm. school, 30 mm. in a year. And you're all hoping to Absolutely. have that uh, yeah. dream yeah. break, whether it yeah. be in, in the West End or on tour yeah. or wherever it be, but or a specific show. So did you think when you were training that I'm going to, I am going to succeed in getting into it? Absolutely not. I, I, ballet was my, was the thing I really wanted to do. It was, it was the class I felt I was best at, I excelled at, um, and, and therefore that's that's really where I wanted to do but I'm not your typical shape of a dancer I'm only five foot three right. and I'm quite muscular um, and dancing at that time was just starting to become um, physically orientated you know okay. they were I auditioned at 15 for the Royal Ballet and um, of course we, we got into this audition situation and you had this, uh, we were put into three groups, A, B and C, I was in B, and all the girls in A were what I would have called physically perfect girls. They had long legs, they were tiny, and, you know, and they all ha physically looked like 
ballet dancers. In group B, you had girls who I would say were sort of more dancers. Some could turn, some could jump. Right. Um, you know, they had something. And, and my, I, I always had a very, very good elevation, which is quite ironic now. It's because I can't even get lift off the floor. What is that? Ele- uh, elevation is a jump. So it's just like any sort of jump. So anything jumping in the air, grand jetés, um, like little jumps. I had a really good elevation, so because because I had such strong looking, you know, strong legs, I was able to jump very high, um, and which is which, I think gave gave my dancing quite a dynamic quality, and I think that obviously they were hoping, or my parents were hoping that they would see that, and 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 the Royal Ballet would hope that they would you know possibly right. be able to enhance that, but but they didn't. They decided that I wasn't right for the school, which. At, you know, when I was fi- it was fi- I was fifteen at the time, and that was such a huge disappointment because I felt my career had. Did you think that you know that was it? Started. Forget yeah, it. Absolutely. And when I left arts, um, the headmistress of the school at the time said to my parents, "Well, you know, we don't think Lynn's going to make it as a ballet dancer. She's going to have to dye her hair, and fix her teeth because at the time I had slightly crooked teeth. So my parents were like, okay, um, and of course that's that's you hard. didn't have your teeth." Fixed, did I, you? I, I, not not straight away. Right. I did eventually, but it's that's uh, such a blow at such a young is, age to you that it, you're not 15, what they want. I, I didn't really have the tools to be able to take that on, or what that meant, and I wasn't overly ambitious. Right. Um, as in, I didn't see myself going into the commercial world, and I think if you go into that world, you have to be very ambitious because it's a really really difficult a difficult world, um, and there are so many people trying to achieve. And I didn't really see myself in that in that way. I was relatively shy at that That point. does seem like a big knockback to me. Yeah. You didn't get into the Royal Ballet yeah, that's for it. whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I suppose, I, you know, I, I'm a novice when it comes to ballet. So I, when somebody says the Royal Ballet, my, I instantly go, ah, yeah, I, yeah, I, get, what, get, I, I get what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to then to be told, oh, crooked teeth, da-da-da-da. You, although you say you weren't particularly ambitious, most people at that point would have gone. Do you know what? I'm just gonna forget it. Yeah, and I think I did. I, you know, my because I, I was fortunate enough because obviously art said have a, a school at that time in London, which was sort of like um, a three year course. Right. So and and I was having been through Tring, you're all almost automatically guaranteed a place on that course. Right. Which was a dance course, um, and you know they do ballet and and everything and. Um, but I'd spent maybe the first six months once I went there. And I, again, I was 15, 16, suddenly in London, without this strict uh, timetable that we had at Tring where everything was pushed, you were on site. And suddenly I was in London, living in a hostel, feeling depressed because I felt, well, what am I going to do if I can't be a ballet dancer? I hadn't really thought about what else I plan wanted B. to do. What was plan B? I didn't have plan B. 15, 16, I didn't have a plan B. But I just think that's so refreshing. When you have a plan B, like so I spoke to so many people who, who say, I purposely didn't have a plan B. Yeah. Because if you do have that plan B, yeah. you, you usually fall back on it. Yeah. So it has to work. You, yeah. you think, well, I don't know anything else, so yeah. I need to just keep plowing on. Well, that's it. And I, I think I spent six months, you know, in a bit of a state of shock, really, not really, you know, floundering around, missing class not doing, you know, doing all the sort of things that you shouldn't really be doing at, at 15, 16. And I had a, an interview about halfway through my year um, with the headmistress of the school. And she said to me, you've got to pull yourself together um, because if you don't, we're going to have to get, you know, we have to chuck you out. Well, 
it's it absolutely was the kick uh, in the backside that I needed to get myself back into class and um, I had a lovely lovely teacher called Anne Heaton who was married to John Field who was at that time was the uh, director of English National Ballet which is which at that time was festival ballet um, and she was a beautiful dancer um, and she took me under her wing um, and she had a lot of the same issues that I had I, I, physically um, and so she sort of understood where I was coming from and the problems I was facing at that age and she basically said to me Lynn you are a beautiful dancer you can dance you can do this it might just mean that you won't ever go and perform in the Royal Ballet but there are other ballet companies and I hadn't even thought about that I hadn't I hadn't it was like Royal Ballet or nothing and then suddenly it was like okay all these doors my eyes were opened to other other aspects and it, and then from then onwards I, I I sort of knuckled down and got on with things. Did many other people in your year go on to the Royal Ballet? Um, we had from our year when I was at Tring we had uh, two other girls that did get into the Royal Ballet right. but both those girls after a year left because they were miserable and they were unhappy um, and neither one of those girls actually then went on to have a career in dance. So in some respects, I think having that knock at 15, 16 and having to pick myself up at that point may have actually been a, a favour to me. Yeah. Because I... It would maybe have saved it later on in life, maybe. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, so I, I you know, then I, I, I was, again, I was just right place, right time. We had a, a group of people, a chap called Larry Long, he was an American director and a, a, um, a, a, a choreographer. Um, and they came over to England and they were looking for dancers to start up a ballet company. And they wanted and to. This is while you were still at This is while I was at, at school. And right. they came to the school to audition. Um, and uh, they took us through our paces. And there the must have been about. They came, actually, they came in first of all, I think, and watched a class. Um, and then, then they had an audition. And of course, in the class, there was about 20 of us. When they came back to audition, there was about 500. There was right. just loads and loads of people in this audition. But because they'd already seen me in class, I was sort of fast-tracked through. And eventually, I got offered the job, which was, like for me, it was a dream come true to be offered a job in a ballet company. And what, what, that was a new ballet company? It was a new ballet company. Touring? It, it was touring this country, but it was actually a company called Ballet International. And it was um, it toured this country, but it was being backed... Um, by uh, uh, the government in South Africa, so we went to South, we did a, a, a tour of South Africa for ten weeks, um, which was amazing. I learnt so much in that time, um, you know, and, and it was quite a big company. It was, and it was because it was immediately formed. We had like principals, and we had all sorts of. So, what were you cast as? I was that... at Corps de Ballet. Right, which first is year, which is first year Corps de Ballet. That is like that is the, just. Right. You know, you, it would be ensemble. Absolutely, standing on the side of the stage. You know, Willie's holding in. a spear. Yeah, absolutely, but but a garland or whatever. You know, just basic. Um, but again, I was quite lucky. I was given some nice little things. Solo bits. Solo bits. We did a they in Sleeping Beauty, which is a, is fabulous. You have all the fairies. Well, I was sort of like fifth cast fairy, right? <laughs> which was great because I, I didn't get on to do it, but it meant I I went to the rehearsals and I learnt that learnt the repertoire so would the same choreographer who's choreographed the ballet yeah. work with you in those cover runs yes right. he would be there taking taking the uh, the rehearsal 
with the main cast and then the rest of us would be finding a space somewhere at the back to to have a little go right um and as i say i never actually got to do it or to perform it but it was um it was a um it was a great experience to do it and then in sleeping beauty you have things like there's a, a pussycat dance in act one which i learned and again it's very basic and you always get like junior um soloists right. who get to do that so again i was about fifth cast of that and i did actually get on to do that and then you have like the a doll dance um is as well they the dolls come out and of a box and again i got to do that so there was lots of little things that i got to do but the biggest break for me while i was in that company was where they had a we did a triple bill and we went on tour at the time with margot fontaine who was um right at the very end of her career but she was performing doing various bits and pieces and she needed um a company which we fitted the bill nicely and we went along so she did her ballets and we were shoe torn in the middle of doing like bits and pieces right. and we had this uh, ballet called the albanoni um which i cut the the choreographer escapes me at the moment but it was a a beautiful ballet and i was third cast of that um which obviously the further you are up the more chance you get as of you getting know on. yeah of, of course of, of getting on yeah um and fortunately for me when so we you went from fifth Fifth to third. To third. Oh, so I was moving you up. You were moving up I the was ladder. Up. I was moving up. So, um, and this was quite a contemporary uh, piece, um, but it was very lyrical, which played into all my strengths, all the things that I could do. And it was, it was beautiful. It was a really beautiful piece, and I loved doing it. And fortunately, when we were on tour with Margot, we were, we were in um, uh, Holland. I can't remember whereabouts, possibly The Hague, somewhere like that. And... I suddenly got this call in the morning. You're on. You're on. So I spent all afternoon rehearsing with my partner and uh, we went on that night and it was absolutely amazing. And it's the first time I have ever, ever taken a curtain call on my own amazing. and been given flowers. And I didn't know what to do with them. I was all like, ooh. Um, and as you know, there's a bit in Phantom where yeah. the Christine gets given yeah. flowers. So I always really, really... What that feeling is. I know exactly. I was just about to say there's an exact same yeah. thing. And I, that, so I always know exactly what that feels like. You come out, you take your curtain call and someone's suddenly thrusting yeah. flowers at you. And I, I was like, I think I took them by the stems and I was sort of hanging <laughs> them down, you know. <laughs> and afterwards, when I came off stage, the ballet master, which was a lovely man called Adrian Greater, and he said to me, Lynn, he said it was absolutely beautiful but i need to show you how to take a curtain call with some flowers and i was like thank you um but so i was very lucky to get an opportunity to do that and i think i did it about three or four times after that you know because it was because of injury and stuff like that right but every single time i i loved it and of course any time you do you go on and you do something all like right that, it's a dream it's a dream and it informs you and it makes you want to work harder because you know that actually that's really what i want to do mm. So I was devastated when nine months in, the company went bust, and we were really? in Hull, I think, at the time. Um, and why did it go bust? I th I'm not really sure of the exact reasons. I I think it was a lot to do with the apartheid and stuff like that at that at that right. point in time it, in in South Africa. You know, the money coming into the company from South Africa had dried. Yeah. It, so whatever for whatever reasons we were. And of course, when we had been to South Africa, when we came back, the climate in this country at that time was that wherever we performed, because we had the South African uh, taint to it, we had people outside the theatre protesting. Right. And I think it just got it got to the stage where you you know 
boycott in the yeah absolutely mm. people were you couldn't get people coming into the to see the shows which was a real shame because it was a beautiful company so I spent six months out of work and I, I so you, how long were you with the ballet international I was there, nine months altogether. nine months nine months from like then, rehearsals I think it was about a few, a few couple of months rehearsals then we went straight to South Africa and then we came back and were touring this country so you were quickly progressing from fifth cast third cast third so cast. you were third cast when it went bust right when it work. closed yes. to out of work to out of work so what did you do in that period well of course in London you've got a thriving class there's pineapple so I was constantly training doing back class into, I was right. back into back into class but of course that takes money you know you need money to do that and um, you know I put a bit of money away but of course that quickly quickly went. went so I had to get had to find work and I trolled myself up and down um, Oxford Street just before Christmas because this was just before Christmas it was about two months before Christmas and of course every shop I went into no experience no experience and I'm like quick learner I'm a quick learner anyway I saw an advert in the de- in the evening standard and I it for liberties and I phoned up I was actually on the corner of liberties right I was you know at, at Oxford Street and I in those days before mobile phones you had to walk into a phone pay box, phone. pay phone, put money in, and I, I called and I said, "Oh, I'm, uh, uh, um, I'm inquiring about the job you have, for Christmas staff," and she said, "Oh, yes, yes." She said, and I said, "I've got no experience, but I'm a really quick learner." She said, "Give me your name and address." Anyway, I, I gave her my name, and she suddenly started screaming down the phone, "You're not Lynn Jessard from Trig, are you?" And I went, uh, "Yes," thinking maybe I'm very famous, <laughs> maybe third cast I'm famous. Yes. And it was actually somebody who I had been at Tring with who was working no. in the in the department's recruiting department. So you clearly got the job. So she said, come round now. So I literally put the phone down, walked across the road, walked into the personnel office and filled in the forms. And I worked there all over Christmas. And then I was... Doing what? Was it just... It was, they had a... I don't even know if it's still there, but they had a department called Home Ideas. So it was a new department at that time and it had sort of stationery and... Um, office stuff and, and and I mean just loads of pretty things which I loved you know and I loved all that um, so that was a huge change and it because it was the working hours were like you know eight o'clock in the morning it had to be there till five o'clock at night so it was a it meant for me it was difficult to find time to do class but they were the guy that was that was like the head of our floor was an ex-actor so he sort of knew what it was like so he would let me go for auditions and stuff like that and of course I was just th- throwing in as many classes as I could. And what type of auditions were you going for? B- um, ballet or was it anything, anything? Anything. I was just trying to get work. Right. Um, so what was the next Well the next thing break. for me was Northern Ballet. Right. And I um, and again I got that audition through Anne Heaton right. um, who had kept in contact with me and or I kept in contact with her and uh, she uh, phoned me and said they're looking for a, a dancer for Northern Ballet. A chap called Robert DeWarren has just taken over the company. He's looking to change the company from a contemporary company to he wants to do mini Class- classics. Yeah, classics. Uh, you know, I'd mentioned your name and I was like, oh, thank you so much. So I went, I did this private audition having not really been, um, you know, completely um, in, in training at that point. Right. Um, so I found myself saying to him the whole time, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm a little bit out So he auditioned you, right? He auditioned me. Um, and after the audition, he said to me, I would love you to come up. And I got a three-month trial because, of course, it was based in Manchester and I was living in London. So um, there was a lot of things to have to think about accommodation. I'd never been to Manchester. I didn't know anything about it. 
Um, Were you aware of Northern Ballet at the time? On no, no. if I was honest, no, um, not really. And I'd, I'd done quite a few. I'd done about three auditions for English National, but they're like they were like cattle markets, um, it, which was festival ballet at the time. And I would desperately have liked to have got into festival ballet, but again, it's it's difficult in that sort of environment mm. when there's hundreds of people. So to get a private audition was like again was a, a dream come true. And really. you had some form of validation, I yeah, guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what course, do they offer you? What, what was the job? Again, it was it was a chorus. You know. A, Corifei or whatever it was you know get straight in there doing all the bits and pieces but because it was a small company instead of being third cast I was like second cast right uh, of, of, st- of bit the big roles so I suddenly found myself going in and having to learn roles like Capelia, Giselle um, so again big like Midsummer Night's Dream, Titania and stuff like that the lovers so it was there was a lot of big roles and if you worked hard and you put yourself, you could progress very quickly. Um, and I was very fortunate that Robert um, liked me a lot um, and gave me a lot, lot of opportunities. So we went into um, doing a, a Capelia in London. It was their day. It was their um, Northern Valley's big debut um, in London. First time they'd ever performed in London. Um, and I was I was third cast Capelia. Um, and I suddenly found my name up as playing Capelia on the first night, which was huge. She went. Ill, she became. She went ill. She, no, oh. she. I was just given. Oh, you were just given it. I was given it, and so, which, as you can imagine, that didn't go down very well to anybody but me. Um, <laughs> I was thrilled, but it caused a lot of a lot of problems. But um, I was just internally grateful to be to be given it because it was gave me an opportunity a to perform in london it was at saddler's wells um which was the before saddler's wells had been um changed as it is now it was in the old days so of course you walk out into saddler's wells theater in those days and it just had the history of who's been there who's performed on the stage it had the most enormous rake uh, you know so it was a big challenge um but Capelia as a role plays into played into me as a as a character and everything that I I I thought that I was quite good at the things that I'm not necessarily that good at Capelia was everything that I right. was good at so it was actually quite a it good, was like the ultimate role was, for you in terms of it was a very good role for me uh, just, very characterful um, so so I I really in, enjoyed the challenge I was really glad that I got the opportunity to do it got lots of lovely reviews. Um, and uh, you know it, it was wonderful it was great for my parents and my family everybody was able to come and see me whereas when I was in Manchester you, you, people, a lot of people hadn't seen me dance yeah. so it was, it, was, it was a really so was that a shift for you in terms of given massive, that role massive and yeah. from and then, then on well I was next, the next year I was then became a junior principal of the company um, which was again was a big a big shift I would never have got that had I been in a smaller company I'd have probably had to work five six years before being given that sort of title mm. so and I knew that that was because of the company and the type of company it was but even still it was still a big um, a, you know a, a big thing to be given mm. um, and I did I did everything I did all the roles that, in, in Northern Berlin I literally for me it was a dream come true I still struggled with my weight I've always had problems with my weight um, were they supportive of that or, or uh, not so much with, to begin with they were and, and obviously to begin with when there's so much to do so much to learn you know I mean I lost a lot of weight I became very slim but then you know 
when you go out on tour and you can't don't have access to a kitchen you know you tend to go out to eat of an evening you're working long hours so you tend to put rubbish mm. food in you're not you're not eating well no. um there was not so much education in those days as well as the sort of nutrition thing. like these days you can walk into sushi bars any any bar you go into and you get salads those days it was sandwich bars right. everything was sandwiches you know so that was the sort of thing that you would stuff in really quickly before a show sounds brilliant to me well absolutely me too i, I wasn't complaining but unfor unfortunately my my uh, my figure didn't always agree with that so right. so so when you say they were supportive to begin with did it become an increasing issue yeah, it became an issue i mean after i'd been there obviously seven odd years um it it became a bit of an issue for them um and I had one conversation. I had a very, very, very close friend of mine um, who were in the company, and she was a soloist in the company, but she had a real problem with with um, her food, with eating, and she was at, she was anorexic. Right. Um, and she was just very thin, but she, she looked beautiful when she was dancing, but she couldn't dance very often because she didn't have the energy. Mm -hmm. And I had a, 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 I was called in to speak to the ballet master and, and what have you, and he said, I want you to, to aspire to look like Janet. And I said, well, for a start, Janet's three inches taller than me and a completely different shape to me. I said, I don't, I said, I don't understand how you expect me to lose that weight. And he said, well, he said, to start off with, he said, you need to go, you need to starve yourself, he said, and lose all your body fat, he said, and start again. And I was like, hmm, and how do you suggest I do this whilst I'm performing um, mm. and, you know, doing class every day? I said, you know, I'll, I'll become ill, I'll, I'll make myself ill. And he said, yes, he said, but if you want to be a dancer and want to be the best, this is what you need to do. So did you hit, was that the point where you sort of hit a crossroad yeah. and thought, and is this, myself, this is what ridiculous. I want to be doing to myself? No. And he actually mentioned at the time that he thought my ankles were fat. Uh, and it was at that point, it was almost like a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, hmm, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be part of this anymore. And if this is what is now going to be required of me, it's not how I dance a role, how I perform. It's about what my ankles are looking like. And that's what they're looking at then I don't want to be part of that. And I, so I made the decision early in my last, my seventh year that I was going to leave. Um, and so I did. And unfortunately, um, when you make a decision like that, you know, things started being taken away from me, roles started being taken away. So I had a very difficult last six months. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get out and start something, something new and something different. And, um, and of course, once I, I left, I, I then started just literally going to every audition that I could possibly go to. didn't matter what it was. So what was next? So you left Northern Ballet. Yeah, I left Northern Ballet and I did quite a few uh, commercial things. I did a few um, bits and pieces um, with Arlene Phillips because Arlene Phillips had actually been a, um, a teacher of mine when I was at school. Really? Um, she taught us jazz. And we used to, when we were first, when she was first starting out, she used to take a whole group of people, uh, dancers, um, to choreographic competitions under the hot gossip ah, right. umbrella. But of course it wasn't hot gossip as we know it. No. It was just the name of the dance group. And I was always the token classical dancer in it. She loved, Arlene loved classical dance. She loved the uh, discipline that classical dancers had. And she, her, all her jazz was based on, um, on classical. Classic work. 
uh, yeah, right. the, the technique of dancing. Yeah. So her classes were all about cl uh, classical technique, but taken in a in a in a, in a more uh, jazz jazz way. So again, I liked her. I loved doing her classes, and I, I. So did that open you up to maybe a different side of the industry that you hadn't worked before? Yeah, and I I would never have said that I was a good jazz dancer. I've I felt that I I I came at jazz from a classical point of view. So I I. I could do it, but I don't know if I could ever throw off the classical right. um, look that I had because I was, and, and I think once having been then, and it was bad enough when I was at college and I was supposed to go away and dye my hair and correct my teeth. But once you've been in a company for 10 years, which at that point I had been, it was very difficult to then yeah, shed, strip away that. shed that, mm. that classical look. And I remember turning up to auditions, which we're talking now like, early 80s you know with mass girls with masses of hair and you know leotards up yeah. around their hip bones you know and I'd be there with my little little you know skirt on and my hair in a, in a bun you know and I was like I don't think I'm going to get this job so I, I struggled a little bit you struggled bit. a lot after I struggled that. to um to, to to alter my look right um so what was the next I did a couple of pantomimes and, and stuff like that did um, you ever feel not that panto is less but I suppose ballet is very classical mm. and nowadays it sort of goes with opera being sort of a um, I don't know a higher society viewing yeah, rather definitely. than something years ago it was for the peasants but somehow yeah. um, money got hold of these industries like ballet and opera and sort of elevated them to something that definitely not, high art almost. high art yeah did you feel a little um, did you miss it because really. Panto and I would imagine yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream are very, very different. Yeah, absolutely. And I was quite lucky because my first Panto that I did was in Manchester um, because obviously I had a home up there. And I, when uh, the Palace Theatre now, of course, is quite well established. But when I was when we were living in Manchester, it was actually closed and they refurbished it. And Northern Ballet opened it and we opened it with a ballet called Alice in Wonderland, which I was obviously the main main part in that. Um so my poster was up at the stage door, and then when I, I know, came I've in, it. and then when I came in to do um, to do panto, I was walking through the stage door, and, and they were going, were. "Hi, there you are!" And uh, from having been in the principal dressing room mm. on the on the first floor, I'm suddenly up on in the about the fifth floor or something with twelve with with twelve other people. So mm. it was a it was a huge learning curve. But as I said, it was the the choreographer of the pantomime was a lady called Carol Todd. And she said to me, she said, darling, she said, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb, she said, because of your, your... And I said, I'll be as bad as you want me to be. I just need to work. I just want to work. Um, and so she she created a little, you know, a part of der for me, and she created stuff for me to do, which was lovely of her. Um, so it was a way of sort of bridging bridging the gap. Um, but but not a lot of choreographers would have done that. And then the next pantomime I did was, was with Wayne Sleep. Right. And he at that time was taking a group of dancers around the country because um, they just had this big television series called Dash um, and they went around all the country. And so uh, I would say at that time, your best sort of five or six dancers were in this Dash. And I was very fortunate that um, I got in to do it because one of the girls was pregnant. So I And I knew a lady called Nicola Traherne who had been with me in Northern Ballet, who is now, she looks after all the Mamma Mia tours and what have you. So she's... She and she left Northern Valley just before me, but so she got me this job basically. So again, it was through word of mouth. And funnily enough, the lady who was looking after the Dash tours was a lady called um, Annie Allen, who was then Julie Lynn's assistant for the right. uh, Phantom of the Opera audition. Right. So 
So it's all a, through word of mouth. All through word I know of I, mouth. I hate that sort of term when people say yeah. it's it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. But I suppose who you know will only get you so far. Opens the door. But it you, does open the door. Yeah. You've still got to deliver. Yeah, you have to. And, and um, I'd like to think it opened the door because... You're only getting those recommendations because they like what you do. They liked what I did, you know. Um, but so it, is, it, 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 well, that, was the, that was for me the connection. So did that bring you to the Phantom yeah, Auditions? Yeah, I was, I was living in Manchester at the time and I was uh, doing... A, I think I did... I was still doing Panto, I think, and... Somebody said, "Oh, you see, they're doing they're doing an audition for Phantom of the Opera." And of course, did you have any, any idea no, what it was about? Nothing at all, nothing at all. And um, so I went. I, I came down to London and I I, I did the auditions. Um, and the very first audition, they lit. It, as I say, it was at the top of Sadler's Wells. So they had a studio at the top of Sadler's Wells, and there was two studios going, and there was two people in each studio, and you were literally coming in and doing a, doing a step, and then then they were saying, uh, "Thank you very much." come back tomorrow, thank you very much, thank you very much, and i got to come back tomorrow. These are open auditions? These were open auditions. And so, of course, I went back up to Manchester that night, came back down again um, the next day, and I did a, um, a an audition. And again, we were in the same studio, and there were so many people, we were put into three groups. So they went around and went A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C. So the A groups would go onto the bar and do, do an exercise, B and C, and so on. But again, it was very fortunate because Annie Allen was then taking that audition uh, with Jilly. So she took that audition doing the class and everything. Um, so again, I was quite lucky because I could see there was a lot of finger pointing and a lot of discussing. So immediately out of this massive... And it was very people, what you knew in terms of classic it was, ballet. It was completely classical. It was a classical bar. And when we came in, we did a routine actually to, to what is now I now know is Music of the Night. But at that time, I didn't. It was just a piece of music. Piece of music. And she set a routine to that, which we learned. Jilly. Jilly did. And we learned that. Um, and then we had to do it. And, of course, I had to get back to do the pantomime of the evening. So I had to leave by 3 o'clock to get my train. And we'd been there since, like, 9 o'clock in the morning. And I'd mentioned this to Annie. I'd said that I need to leave. Anyway, so suddenly I heard my name being called to the front. And uh, Annie said, oh, I've told Jilly that you need to leave. So Jilly saw me do this routine. And then she got me onto the floor and she made me do the splits either side. And then I had to do this back bend. And then she said to me, and do you sing? And I went, yes, <laughs> which was a complete and utter fib. <laughs> but I went, yes. Thinking, had you sung much before then? No, I'd sung no. a lot as a child. Right, but not since but you started not ballet since I, uh, or not professional no. ballet dancing. Uh, in, in choirs at school and in church choirs, yeah, but not professionally Right. in any, any way at all. Right. No training. So you weren't ex you weren't sure what was expected of no, you when I she just, said, "Can you sing?" I just wanted to go yes. Yeah. Because I thought if I say no, then that's uh, it. Uh, uh -uh. So I just wanted to say yes. So I did. Think, then thinking, oh my, she might ask you, but she didn't, fortunately. Um, and then I went away, and I didn't hear anything about it for a, a couple of weeks. And I was driving my what is now my husband, but at the time was my boyfriend, mad. I said, "I haven't got it. I haven't got it." And he said, "For goodness sake, ring." So I rang what is now Cameron Macintosh office and I said oh, I did an audition for Phantom of the Opera and I just wondered if there was any feedback papers shuffling anyway eventually they got back on the phone they said yes you have a recall but we don't know when it was yet when it will be but we right. have a recall and I was then so I did another audition uh, which was a dance audition and I suppose there must have been about 30 girls at that um, which Annie took and we we did this routine and we went into a lot more detail what is routine. it like in those type of auditions because you know auditions that I do 
there's only one of you in the room. Yeah. So there's nobody to gauge. You can't gauge anything. No. Uh, do you gauge in a in a dance oh, yeah. audition? Are you going? Definitely. Oh, I am miles better than this one. Or oh, yes. oh, oh, do you? Yes. De- oh, definitely. All that goes on. Is, really? Yeah. Yeah, and I I knew quite a few of the girls that were in the audition, so I already knew what the competition where the, what was. The competition was and where the standard was. So I, right. um, of course, the thing that you don't know, and we didn't know at that time, which of course now when you go into an audition for Phantom, is you know exactly what you're looking for because you know what the choreography is. You know. You but know, at the time, I guess at it, the time, nothing you was didn't set. Know, you didn't know what what was being asked of you. She was just purely basing it on she wanted the best classical dancers. She wanted people who could do all the classical. Was it difficult? Was the auditions it difficult? Was difficult. It was very difficult. Um, and Jilly, compared to what you knew um no it wasn't any more difficult than what i knew but it was of a high standard right. compared with some of the other auditions that i'd been to for musicals i'd auditioned for 42nd street um um and, and other other musicals which were sort of tap based and more what i would call contemporary uh, contemporary modern jazz sort of thing mm. whereas this was very much classical so this was going back to what i considered to be my roots um so i love i loved it i felt at home i felt at ease because it was something I knew and something I felt comfortable with doing and I got on with Jilly I think almost immediately uh, and you were aware of, of I was aware of Jilly and when I was at Tring she uh, we used to have every year we had a, a modern cup and a ballet cup um, and a singing cup and she came in and adjudicated the modern cup for two years whilst I was there um, on, on both occasions I came third in each 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 year um, so I was aware of her she was possibly aware of me through through that and I know it, it was probably a very small part of Jilly's life obviously because she you know she uh, choreographed you know so, Sixpence mm. and, um, and 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 f- big films and cats so she really was I didn't le- expect a- her to remember me but she always when I once I got to know Jilly she said she did remember me she remembered me from being you a student and she remembered me. Um, and apparently she'd been to see um, the Capalia that I had done when it was in London. She'd come to see it. So she'd seen that performance. So again, I didn't know that. I didn't know that she'd seen those things. So she had a knowledge of me. So when Annie mentioned to me in the, her my name to her in the audition, she knew, she knew had a vague idea of right. who I was. So that was, that was quite nice. So how did you manage to get away with the singing audition? Well, it, that was... <laughs> Did you do a singing audition? I did do a singing audition, and again, it was in the days of Walkmans. So I, we, we did the dance audition, and uh, that we finished that. And this, the, the, for the singing audition, it was the final audition, and there was Hal Prince, um, and Jilly, and a few other people, Howard Harrison, Nick Allett, I think, was there. A few big, big wigs, Cam, Cameron, all in the room. And I was walked into, and you, you, you go to the piano, you give your piece, and I was singing, um, All I Want Is A Room Somewhere. Dreadfully. Anyway, I went in and all the girls in the room had got headphones on and Walkmans and they were going doing all their warm-ups and I was just standing with my... my I didn't have that. I didn't have that facility. I just had my... Right, cheap music. Cheap music. And I was like... Ooh. So I felt immediately that I was this, was... this was part of the audition I didn't feel comfortable with. And I... So I gave my music to the, to the pianist and I started going through... Because um, I had the big chunk in the middle that I cut right. out. Um, and anyway, so I was talking to him about that. And then suddenly the door opened, chairs went back, and in comes Andrew Lloyd Webber. And of course everyone's like, oh, there's coffee cups going, and I'm going, all I want at the piano's room somewhere. And I'm thinking, he's probably thought he's walked into the wrong room. Yeah. Because um, obviously, 
I knew exactly who he was at the time. I'd probably I think less I would aware have died. of Cameron, but certainly Andrew Lloyd Webber at that time yeah. was, was huge. And um, of course, coffee coffee cups. Were, it was coffee. No, no plastic cups. It was coffee cups. Coffee cups were coming ching, out. Ching 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 ching. And I'm still going. Well, wouldn't it be lovely at the, at the piano? <laughs> anyway, so I I sort of then waited and uh, thinking I was going to be called into the middle of the room to sing. And Julie went, "Thank you very much, Lynn." And off I went. So I actually so you actually didn't never really sang for the panel. Into the pa- I didn't go into the central room to sing. Do you think that was her way of maybe of, fudging of, of it a little? Getting rid of me mm. because I had sung. I had a, had a, a singing audition um, prior to that, um, which we did at the Windmill Theatre, um, and ugh, again it was. I'd sort of I, I sang and afterwards I thought oh that was absolutely dreadful and when I came out I I thought oh that's it I've I've lost it. and at this point there was I think it was about twelve girls left and one boy. So I thought, oh, I'm going to lose it on my... So then I, we were all of a very similar uh, standard, and I thought, I'll lose it because I can't sing. Um, and the stage management, who I don't no idea who she was, she said to me, don't worry, I've heard worse. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm not quite sure what she means by that. But anyway... Backhanded compliment. Hopefully she meant today she'd yeah. heard worse. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that was possibly Jilly's way of getting me so out of the So you got the job? And I got the job. We then were brought, and it was literally like a chorus line. We were all brought back in, put into a line, and being moved around, and everyone discussing you and what have you. And 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 I was fortunately one of the six girls that got it. So it was it only six ballet girls. Six ballet Is girls. Is it still six? Six. Oh, yeah. still six. Six, and then they added a girl for a swing. Okay. But it was six, and then of course Meg, Meg, a swing, and but it was six dance girls. Did you realise then? I suppose that was very... Uh, maybe the hype had started or not? No. At that point, I don't... I mean, I was just thrilled to get a job. Of course. So I was really thrilled about that. And it wasn't until once I got the job that everybody kept saying, oh, you know, he's been... Because the, the thing about Andrew Lloyd Webber is that he's massive with, with publicity. Mm. I mean, so there was huge publicity. You'd got um, Sarah Brightman and um, singing... Uh, or Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard. Um, you know, you'd got, Steve already Harley. got Steve Harley singing. Mm. So there was already all that out there. So right. you sort of knew you, that... There was and you an underlying buzz. you knew his cats and Evita mm. and all the Joseph and all those... Done so well. So you knew that you were not going into something that was... It was going to maybe a flop. Yeah. And, of course, everybody knew who Hal Prince was and his reputation. So you knew they had some really, really good people on board. So it was a very, very, very exciting. What were the rehearsals like? Were they tough? Um, yes, because I think Julie fought very hard um, to, uh, to, get some, to, to get dancing into it. Because I think when she actually, we actually got there, having done this really, really difficult audition, um, we actually found that there was very little for us to do. There wasn't actually a ballet at that point for us. Um, we had this little Degas section, which was which was at the back of the dressing room scene, which is but, a pivotal scene in the show for storytelling, and we're sort of in the background. But that doing that it. was the only scene at uh, the we beginning. Did, we did the Hannibal again, oh, the where Hannibal. we're dancing, story being Other told. stuff going we're, on, we're, so we're, not necessarily so not you're our, the focus. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course Masquerade, which was her big thing. But then everybody was in that. The whole company mm. was in that, so it wasn't just the dancers. I mean, we were very much focused, but it was so. We didn't have a ballet, and, and Jilly worked really hard to, to get the Il Muto. To, get, to get the Il Muto ballet. And so Andrew, Andrew did that for her. Um, and she would come into the room and she said, I've got 16 bars. We've added another eight bars. So it was, it, from that point of view, it was brilliant. You know, and we, I felt that we were all working very closely as a, we bonded as a, as a, as a group of people um, because of that. Was she great to work with, Jilly? Oh. 
She always, I mean, she's taskmaster. She's yeah, never tired, never ever tired. You know, you know yourself. She, she had, an, and in those days, she really did have energy for days. So we worked very long hours. You know, everybody else would go, and we'd be working till ten o'clock at night. Mm. Um, you know, and I've previously, when I worked with her since, you know, we always, always, when we did the twenty fifth. Jilly and I worked for 10 days before, the, then, then we brought the ballet girls in and we worked for a week before the rest of the company joined. We'd already put two and a half weeks worth of work into what we were going to do for the 25th. Mm. So she really was a, a you know, hard-working woman and herself and she expected that of everybody that worked with her or for her. She expected you to... Yeah, I, I, sadly, I, obviously I didn't really work with her that much, yeah. but that one time when she came in to do the 30th Yes. Anniversary rehearsals. Yeah. I couldn't believe the, the I, I, I don't know. It was like an, an aura around That's her. That's it. She has, she has it's energy like a magnet. and passion. And I think, uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't take no, my you, eyes you off couldn't. her. And, and she was her detail. Absolutely. She, she was clocking things all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Well, when we did um, Il Muto, we had like thirty odd dancers, and. You know, we were doing the main main dance, and she'd got these girls at the back with with the garlands, and we were trying to work, and we were obviously with it, we were limited limited time, and she's working with these girls at the back, and I I remember thinking to myself, we've got to hurry up, Julie, we need to work, you know, we've got to do this, and and I thought, what's she doing at the back there? And of course, then when I stood back and watched what she'd done, it was amazing. It mm. framed the whole piece, and. Only Jilly could have seen that. Her, she had such a brilliant eye for detail and for, for, for what something is going to look like. And, mm. and I just stood back in awe, thinking, oh my, I can't believe I'm actually privileged enough to be working by your side. She was an amazing lady. So what was? So you opened when? 1986, yes, was it? Yes, 1986, 9th of October. What we, was it like oh, that incredible. night? Incredible. And we'd already done a couple of weeks previewing before right. that. And we'd had a gala night just before we opened, which was for uh, Princess Diana. Um, which was again because at that time she was in the height of her um, uh, fame, um, so and she loved ballet, and we'd all you know you had those big lineups, yeah. and of course we we got all these Brightman and everybody and all the managers and everybody standing at the front, and we the ballet girls were standing in the back. Well, she pushed past the cast to go and talk to the ballet girls because she knew one of the girls uh, who had really? been in a, in a ballet called uh, a ballet company called London City Ballet and she was the patron of that ballet company so what? she knew Alison so she pushed past to come to speak to her and then to us and we were all sort of like crowded around her talking so it, it just made you feel about six feet tall so that was incredible um, and yeah I would like to think that I could be go back into myself on that day and remember more of what it was mm. about. But you become so obsessed with your point shoes, your costume, your, your yeah, wigs, the small your details makeup, which are going to make that, that, the, that make you yeah. get onto that stage that you don't actually take you, in and the appreciate whole picture. the no, whole. You don't. And of course, you didn't know on that day that it was actually going to be 30, 32, 33 years later. I'm still going to be talking. Did you about it, did you ever think then? Because I I always find it fascinating to think you know such a huge hit and such a you know one of my most adored shows yeah that you would still be sat here no. almost 33 because no. you've pretty much been here been yeah. here for 33 years 33 years, years yeah that yeah. you'd still be in this building for 33 no, years definitely not definitely not and i do think that my connection with the show has been a little bit um 
uh, I've just been very lucky in the fact that a because I was in the original cast that gives you a, a sort of um, a knowledge of the show and it's how it was created, it was created the and, ups and the downs yeah, I suppose and I've seen people come and go and I was very lucky when I was pregnant with my daughter which was two years into the show um, I was asked to come in and look after the show um, whilst I was pregnant so because the girl that was uh, Patty Merrin who was looking after the show time went over to do the production in Stockholm so they needed someone to keep an eye on the show so I came in to do that. So, at a so very was that early... a resident so choreographer it... job? So it was like dance captain. Dance captain. At that you didn't time. have another didn't dance have captain. A... No, it was that was that was it. That was it. So um, I came in as, as that to look after the show. So it, it, it from like two years in, I already was looking at the show um, to note it, to learn it, to, to 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 see where people were. So of course I had I started with that 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 knowledge. Um, because I think up until then I had only learnt my part in the show right. and of course I'd looked at so, other bits yeah. but I didn't learn it so it was that was when I first learnt the show started to begin to understand what the creative yes, process of being what, on what the creative team would be like and seeing things you know through through their eyes did you um, have to have the sign off from Jilly did she have to was I it presume she must have done I don't she didn't she didn't she say never it discussed me, it with but you. she she must have given the okay I can't believe that she wouldn't have done I would imagine that she would have had that would have gone through through Jilly and probably through Hal as well, um, but we had a, a director here at the time uh, called Jeff Ferris who so he was around so it wasn't like I was doing it on my own. Um, so he was, was it about. tough to sort of take that job on but still be in the the ballet company? Yes, I found until I actually was given the title resident choreographer, that was quite a difficult thing to do, to be in the dressing room at night putting on your costumes and then with to the have other, to stand with everybody and else. notes. Mm. Um, and was it just notes on the ballet that yes, you were given? Absolutely. Nothing else? Nothing else. I had, that was literally, so it was it would have been the Hannibal dancing. I wouldn't have noted the ensemble. Um, again, the Degas. Um, Did you ever find yourself at that point clocking other things and thinking, hmm... Oh, I yeah, would maybe definitely. do this, so I'd maybe do that. I don't know about maybe do this, maybe do that, but I certainly clocked it, and I would know when I could see when, when it was, was it when it wasn't working, and right. I, I could see how I might be able to help fix that. But um, but you, I wasn't. You didn't say no, anything no, 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 at no, that no, time. No, absolutely not. No, I would have been crucified if I'd have. Right. I would have given a, an opinion to people like to Jeff. I would have definitely spoken about right. it, but I would never have noted, never have noted the company at that point. So that was that came later. So I suppose a note to end, really. Clearly, we've sat, we've been here for nearly an hour, wow. and it's so wonderful to finally sit down and and sort of go through the history of your career and everything mm -hmm. else. Uh, and having worked with you for the last three years, which has been a dream, really. Um, but what do you think the lasting legacy will be? It's a shame we've just lost Hal, yeah. we've lost Jilly. Um, uh, these are people who put this show together. Yeah. Um, and are sort of the... We hand the keys on, I guess. It's like Philip Griffiths will always say, we are merely renting the costumes. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Yeah. Um, what legacy would you like to leave behind? Oh, it's a difficult question. Because um, you leave an imprint here, of course, yeah. wouldn't you? Well, I hope so. Yeah, um, I, th I think for me, I would like people to love the show as much as I love the show. And I think if I can instill even a little bit of that into the cast as they come in and go out, 
I think that's good. If I can, if I can make people enjoy their time here and love doing the show, because I think sometimes people can come into to a show that's been on for a long time with a slight negative thought. Oh, mm. I'm taking over a role that has been done by da da da. da. Mm. What am I going to be able to give to that role that maybe the twenty other thirty other people before me mm. have have given? And for me, it's trying to unlock that, trying to unlock that um, what other people can do and and how you can then. By doing that, move the show on, move it into a different direction because it is different people's ideas, new people mm, coming in mm. who give different ideas. And, you know, the blocking of the show is one thing and obviously that's important to me because uh, the show has a picture and I think Hal and Jilly saw, had a picture and a, a thought in their mind about what they wanted to get to do and I feel quite passionate that I want to try and uh, uh, keep that picture going for as long as possible mm. um but i do think that from the interpretation of the role it, it, it is what new people fresh people young people coming into the show that's what they bring to the bring to the picture and i that's my i'd like to hope that i can keep the passion for that for the show and then obviously if you can keep the passion going on stage then hopefully you can keep the passion of the audience coming of course. because if the passion if people on stage are loving what they do then the audience are going to love it it floods well. over the footlights yeah. and uh, and on on monday when we opened for me, when everybody stood up as soon as the show finished, I thought, job done. We're here. We, that's, that's, that's what we've achieved. The audience is loving what we've, we've put on. And it's 33 years later and they still want to stand up and enjoy the show. So I hope that's my legacy is, is, is that, is to keep... And obviously I've got people underneath Claire and people like that who, you know, hopefully learn uh, from me and, 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 you know, and go from there really. Hehehe <laughs>